Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. It is hour to the game, the game after work. Mitch Fortner, Trey Coverdale, David G, and Travion Berkland. Phone number 537-1350 if you want to chime in about the cats or sports, whatever. Let it rip. Let me actually get to some high school stuff at around 540. has to do with high school hoops here in the state of Kansas. Trial run for something I was hoping would become a thing sooner rather than later. I think it really benefit the sport. Um, get to some college hoops here in this hour as well. Um, wanted to get back actually. So you, I think Deej, you asked the question about KU women's basketball. KU women beat Baylor last night. <laughs> it was a huge upset, and KU actually won handedly. KU was a 500 team heading into that game. Mm-hmm. They're now eight and seven. Wow. That was a major upset last night to hand Baylor their first loss. Ooh. Um, before we get to hoops, I want to wish a very special happy birthday to K-State baseball coach Pete Hughes. Hey. Was he on the birthday list today? He was not. Oh, my goodness. Ooh, it's because you're not mis- friends with him on Facebook. Oh, that was a huge <laughs> blunder. And if you had him on Facebook, you, okay. would, you would see there in the corner, today's Pete Hughes' birthday. Oh, okay. Mm. Six-year head baseball coach for the Cats, and if you haven't heard the word on the street is... K-State baseball is supposed to be pretty good this mm-hmm. year. hey Like, preseason top 25. Good. Oh, nice. I mean, there's already publications out there saying K-State should potentially have two first-round draft picks on this year's team, which if you follow K-State baseball, you would know Kalen Culpepper, third baseman, just represented the United States of America. Did a great job. And also uh, Tyson Abers. Mm-hmm. Closer for the Cats now, I, I would expect a much bigger role for him this year. I think he might be in the starting rotation. don't know that for sure. I haven't talked to Pete here in a little while, but we do have a media day coming up next month. But, I mean, Brady Day was an excellent second baseman. Mm-hmm. He's back for another year. Uh, let's see. I, well, I just put myself on the spot because um, now I'm trying to rattle off the top <laughs> of my head about who coming back, where they're at. Um, uh, Brandon Jones, uh, center fielder. Um, well, of course, Chuck Ingram. Got to give him a shout-out. Chuck Ingram, who's the uh, transfer from Wichita State, I think he's a top guy in the portal that K-State got that he'll also play in the outfield. He's a two-time first-team All-American Athletic Conference player. He's, of course, a big reason why K-State would be considered a preseason 
um, top 25 team. Rafael Pelletier, uh, catcher, is another cat that will be back and, and starting this year for the Cats. I'm sure I'm missing a guy or two probably. Uh, did I mention Owen Borma? No. You did not. He's back. Um, yeah, I mean, I mean, you're talking about some major, major key pieces to K-State's season last year, a team that got absolutely snubbed of the NCAA tournament last year because of RPI and the regional teams that the Cats played it didn't end up being good. Right. Uh, now, I will say, I mean, K-State lost some games they shouldn't have lost probably. But that, to me, wasn't enough to keep them out. K-State did a, a great job at home this past season. Now you're going to look at a tougher schedule. There's going to be those really tough road trips that K-State will be. I don't have the schedule pulled up here in front of me, but um, I probably should have before I rattled this all off here. But um, Pete Hughes obviously knew, and we talked about it. When the season wrapped up, we had him on the show. He he needed a weak buffer because he was so fired up, and I totally understood. Mm-hmm. That was the text I sent. I was like, Coach, I 100% understand the anger you probably have towards the selection committee about being snubbed out of the NCAA tournament. But, I mean, K-State midweek will pl- be playing back-to-back at Tennessee and at Clemson. Solo games back-to-back on the road. I mean, that's just a piece of the addition. There will be another back-to-back road trip to UConn and Northeastern. I mean, this is when it comes to scheduling, this is not ideal because you don't want to have to take those midweek road trips all over the country, and that's more school your guys are missing. That's just more travel, Mm -hmm. less days off. But this is Coach Hughes. Right. Trying to give the selection committee what they want. Uh huh. To make sure, without a shadow of a doubt, that K State baseball at the end of the day will leave no doubt and they're an NCAA tournament team. Mm -hmm. I think talent wise, there's no doubt they're an NCAA tournament team. I think that is a fair expectation that K State is a regional team in 2024. Let's go. By the way, I mean, don't look now, but the. The season starts in like a little more yeah. than a month. <laughs> I thought of this yesterday as I was driving by on Kimball. I'm like, here we are getting ready to suffer through the coldest of cold snaps of the winter. And baseball starts at the end of February. Oof. February 16th, they're going to be at the MLB Desert Invitational. Uh, Scottsdale, Arizona, they'll play three games. Uh, I think the last two, they're at Sloan Park. Is that not the Cubs uh, minor league stadium? Believe you're right there, yes. I, I have to double check on that. They'll play Cal, Boston College, and Georgetown um, in three straight days. It starts, again, February 16th. That's a Friday, 7 o'clock first pitch against the Cal Bears. And then they play at Arizona State. Then they come home. It's going to be an early uh, start to the ro- uh, the home schedule, I noticed, this year. Holy Cross comes in for three straight starting on February 23rd. That is the home opener. All right, we'll obviously talk more K-State baseball as we get closer to the start of the season. Meanwhile, um, boy, couldn't help but notice all the top five teams starting to drop like flies in the uh, AP Top 25 of men's college basketball, especially with KU losing last night at UCF. I mean, that was a headline stealer. Credit Nebraska for beating number 1 Purdue a couple of nights ago. That certainly makes K-State's loss to Nebraska, I guess, look a little bit better. That still sucks big time. 
I would have much, of course, rather won that game. And I'd even think about that game as a, well, maybe it's a good loss now. Ridiculous. I don't. I still can't stand Nebraska fans chanting "Go Big Red" uh, at no, the end of that game. No, it, I mean, it was it was disgusting. Hated it. Don't like Nebraska. But uh, and it also doesn't help that USC and Miami are now starting to have some pretty crappy seasons. Dude, what right? is that, man? Come on. But Purdue has lost. Houston lost to Iowa State. KU has lost to UCF. If I'm a KU fan, that is an embarrassing loss. I mean, there's not a KU fan out there that didn't look at that and take a moral victory out of it. (laughs) They blew it in the second half. KU led, I think, is by as many as 14 or 16 points. 16. 16 points. And from that point on, which was probably, what, four minutes left in the first half, UCF outscored them by 21. I mean, it it was just pure dominance. And... Say what you want about Hunter Dickinson. I mean, he is a flopper. Uh, he will make you want to pull your hair out when you play against him. I mean, he got he got away with a couple of things last night. But I will say, a big factor in that game is when he was not on the floor, KU struggled offensively. Mm. They made some mistakes. They played sloppy basketball. UCF was just good enough that they capitalized. And by the way, it also helps. You got a packed house, whatever they call their arena in Orlando. I was just there. Uh, by the way, uh, AEW doing better numbers in that arena than UCF basketball <laughs> against KU. <laughs> oh, I, just, I just want to shout that one out. <laughs> but when Deckers was not on the floor, I, you mean, I was surprised. Uh, or Hunter, Hunter Dickinson, did yeah. I say De- you De- Deckers? Deckers, yeah. <laughs> Hunter Dickinson, when he's not on the floor, KU struggled offensively, and they shot 51% from the floor, not bad at all. Hunter Dickinson finishes 5 of 9 for 12 points, and he only grabbed four rebounds. That's an interesting part of that game as well, that, that he wasn't grabbing the rebounds for KU. And I got to say, right now, KU has the top two front runners for Big 12 Player of the Year. Hunter Dickinson is one. Kevin McCuller is having an insane season yeah, right now. He, he, is. he has for his career, and I mean the the last three years. McCuller, who's a guard, and ever since his days at Texas Tech, ten points a game, ten points a game, ten points a game, ten points a game. He has doubled it this year. Mm-hmm. He is a, a much better scorer this year, and when he is, I mean. Just adding him and adding his extra 10 points a game with Hunter Dickinson and Juan Harris, I mean, they could be a pretty scary team. Were they exposed a little bit against UCF? I don't know if I would go that far. I mean, can you look bad enough offensively without Dickinson in the game? It, it, it's like, whoa, that, that, was actually, that was actually pretty bad at times. Mm-hmm. Like, how does UCF do that? I mean, Ibrahima Diallo actually came off the bench against K-State he starts in this game, and UCF sends Langford to the bench. He hardly plays. They change things up. Does Johnny Dawkins, and he goes with Ibrahima Diallo, who's, I think, a much better player. I was surprised he was coming off the bench. He was a force. I mean, he was setting the tone, and who's he up against? Hunter Dickinson. Mm-hmm. I mean, it was just a an absolute tone setter. Rim protector, he finished with 13 points, five rebounds. He had three assists. I was like, man, how is this big man kind of outplaying a Dickinson at mm-hmm. times? 
is very interesting. So, shout, welcome, to, and I mean this in all seriousness, yeah. welcome to the Big 12, <laughs> UCF. Thank you. D.Y. was on the show yesterday and was not giving KU, or not giving UCF a shot. Mm-hmm. No, and we but talked it, at length about what the spread was last night, and what do you know, Vegas wound up being right. Mm-hmm. Crazy. Crazy. Very interesting start to Big 12 play, because if you look at the Big 12 standings, every team has only played two games, and there's only three teams right now that are undefeated in Big 12 play. Baylor, who scares the crap out of me with their three-point shooting. I mean, they're phenomenal. From th- let me, I, I had it pulled up here a second. Give me a second. Baylor right now has f- five key contributors that play every game and play serious minutes. Five players that are shooting 40% or better Ooh. from three-point range. Mm-hmm. As a team, they are 43%. Mm-hmm. <laughs> the other team is Texas Tech, who K-State happens to play. Well, actually, hold up a second. Texas Tech is the other team. Cats play them um, on Saturday, 3 o'clock, United Supermarkets Arena. Baylor is the next opponent. So K-State next two opponents are the top two teams along with K-State right now in the Big 12 standings. The thing about, and I haven't looked a ton at Texas Tech I haven't watched a ton of their basketball this year. They seem to be a pretty decent team. They've played some close games against teams like if it was K-State, like K-State's had earlier this year. Play against teams that you feel like they should win by double digits. It should be maybe a blowout in the second half. It ends up being close games, even overtime. Texas Tech has had a couple of those games. They played Oral Roberts close. They beat uh, Northern Iowa by two points. They've had some of those close games, but they've played really well to start Big 12 play. That's why you kind of scratch your head. And, right. Maybe we underestimated this team under first-year head coach Grant McCasland. Joe Toussaint has been a, a very key for those guys, and that was somebody Casey was recruiting, a guard from West Virginia. They missed on him. He ends up going to Texas Tech. Tech not a he's not a great he's okay three-point shooter, 33%. I'll give him his due right now. He's scoring 14 points a game, but he's been very strong for him. Pop Isaacs has been very interesting because he's actually kind of in a little bit of a controversy right now. Mm-hmm. I don't know exactly the whole story, so I'm not going to get all into it. I'm not going to make a segment about it. Um, but he's right now leading Tech with 17 points a game, shooting 32% from three. I thought that would be a little bit better right now. But Tech, I mean, Texas did a good job of kind of throwing Tech, you know, making them change up the game plan a little bit, more one-on-one basketball. And Tech was beating Texas one-on-one. And I, boy, I came out of that Texas upset for Texas Tech in Austin very impressed. I mean, they they really had control of that last eight minutes. So K-State has found themselves looking at this next stretch of games and thinking, well, if you thought UCF and West Virginia might be an interesting start, all of a sudden, you look at this next two, and you're like, "Wow, okay, maybe you know Texas Tech is a much better team than they th- we thought they would be. Baylor's a good team. You have Oklahoma State coming up, but I'm thinking, you know, out of those three games, if K State can finish two and one, you're feeling really good. It's that reiteration, though, as well, of how tough it is to win on the road. Period in college basketball, but especially in the Big Twelve. By the way, uh, the one team in the top five of the of the country, AP Top 25, 
The only team that hasn't lost yet is UConn, uh, at least this week. And they have Georgetown coming up, Ishmael and Georgetown. I would expect UConn to crush them. Uh, but who else? I mean, Oklahoma. Did they? Um, Oklahoma they, lost, yeah, they last lost night to TCU. TCU. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so there's another top team that ten team that lost. Uh, Illinois not playing a midweek game, but they lost on Saturday. So top ten teams are dropping like flies in this last five days or so. Kiss of death. So UConn, if you want number one team in the country, you got it. You just have to beat Georgetown mm-hmm. on Saturday. We take a break. When we come back, uh, Coach Tang had uh, at a press conference earlier today. It got a late start, so we weren't able to get the, the audio, but we'll touch on some of the highlights when we come back on the game. Mm-hmm. Busy weekend ahead of uh, sports here on K-Man. It starts... Well, it actually starts tonight. Tonight, baby! Drum Tang Show. 7 o'clock. Kicks off at 7. Tomorrow night, we have Manhattan High Hoops hosting Washburn Rule at the MHS Gym. Girls and Boys Doubleheader starts at approximately 5.45 pregame, tipping off at 6 o'clock. Typically starts later than that, so but we'll adjust on the fly as we need to. Nice. By the way, K-State Hoops Doubleheader on Saturday. Women play at 1 o'clock. Pre-game starts at 12.30. Men play at 3. They're down in Tex- uh, in Lubbock, Texas to take on the Red Raiders of Texas Tech. K-State women play number 10 Texas in Bramlage Coliseum. So the plan is, is that we will pick up the men's game after the women's game is complete. And that and that way you get both of them right here on K-Man. It, wait, whoa, sorry. But it, that means after the men's game, right, mm-hmm. we go into football? Is yes. That- so what you're saying is you just keep K-Man on basically all yeah. day Saturday. Yeah. yeah. Keep it rolling. Especially when the main event, it's like a pay-per-view almost. It you is. Know? And, and then turn around and you can do the same easily on Sunday because we'll have all three NFL playoff games that day. Wait, all three playoff games? Which does feature Deuce Vaughn and the Dallas Cowboys against the Green Bay Packers. I think the last time the Packers played Dallas, in Dallas in the playoffs, Dallas obviously was a higher-seeded team, but of course it was Big D's shot at getting into an NFC Championship game, and Aaron Rodgers screws that up. Oh, I yeah. thought it was it was the Cowboys in Lambeau with the Dez caught it situation. That was before. Oh, wow. That was before okay, that one. Yeah. Okay. That was, oh, man. Which, by the way, we can all agree it was a catch, right? I yeah. thought it was a catch. And every time I see a replay, I'm like, I don't understand what the, uh-oh. Ever since that day, we don't know what a catch is. <laughs> no. Because I'm like, what's a guy supposed to do? Carry it into the locker room with him? Like, what do you do? Well, the man? answer to that is yes. Yes. Yeah. 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 Put it in a baby stroller. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. Right. Burp it. Mm-hmm. Burp. Yep. Exactly. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, a chock full all weekend long of stuff on Cayman. Like, this is awesome. This is going to be cool. By the way, the Chiefs Saturday kickoff at 7-15. Wind chill well below zero. Cold one for the Miami Dolphins visiting Arrowhead Stadium. Oof. Pre-game coverage will begin uh, at 6 here on Cayman. The new um, ice bowl is what that's going to be. Well, and the field's heated, right? Isn't that what they say? The field's heat? It is. Uh, I believe that there is, yes, some heat to it, but it isn't going to matter when it's six below. Yeah, just every time it's cold there, it's just horrible. Just every cold game I've went to at Arrowhead just been brutal, man. 
the wind starts whipping around, face gets all red. Ugh. I I can't do it. Mm-mm. That's why I you know made sure, Mitch, if you're going to be a professional broadcaster in Manhattan. Get at least the PA job. <laughs> so, so you get a spot upstairs. That's right, where it's nice and toasty. Or it's nice and cool, AC action. Well, actually, the goal was, hey, work at K-Man, get a spot in the booth as a member of the media. For sure. And then work your way into the PA booth so you get paid twice. <laughs> Double dupe. What the heck was I going to talk about? Oh, Jerome Zhang had a press conference earlier today. It got started late, so we weren't able to get the the audio to it. I just wanted to bring up a couple of things from that uh, press conference. Jerome Zhang was asked about the recent losses in Big 12 play, especially the road losses, especially KU losing at UCF. And he said, quote, It's hard to call any road loss an upset. Our league is the best. It's not just the teams. It's the environments, too. I remember, boy, was this 2014? TCU was god-awful. Uh-huh. They were winless in Big 12 play. The Jayhawks are one of the best teams in the country. And they roll into Fort Worth. Mm-hmm. Ton of KU fans there. I think the only TCU fans there were like four rows of students. <laughs> And TCU led like the entire game, and it was a major upset. That is an upset. Yeah. I honestly don't think KU losing at UCF last night was too far off of that, to be quite real with you. If they would have hammered TCU before at home, I would have I'd have been like, wow, what an upset. But they just didn't look that great against TCU either. So a couple calls here and there go TCU's the other way. good, though. Yeah. I mean, they, they are got good. guys there that have been there for eight years. Right. They have three Periels. They do. They do. It's just they didn't look great. And I thought, you know. There's a reason why that they have not been able to put themselves back into that number one spot all season after they got knocked out of that notch in the first week or first couple weeks of the season when they were out at Maui. You know, Purdue has done just enough. No, now they're back out. Uh, you know, it, it's just kind of been a, a group of about four schools that have been in that spot, and KU just never was being put in there, and Houston wasn't either, mm-hmm. as odd as it seems. Well, and I get the environment argument of that of that comment, because if you are KU, and I would also throw Houston into this conversation, because they've been really good recently. Um, and they've been the number one team in the country, and they were just undefeated until going into Ames, Iowa. Most places, they're going to get like the traveling circus environment, and I'm stealing that line from Gino Oriema. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. When UConn came here to play K-State, it's because they're so good, they're used to playing in packed, crazy environments. Right. And KU finds that everywhere they go mm-hmm. because they're KU. And I think Houston will get that reception as well. They're Houston. They're a top five team. Really good last year. What they, They're a one seed last year in the NCAA tournament. So the fan bases that they will see on the road are going to be fired up for that game. They will reflect Because that. of who they are. Mm-hmm. KU, yeah. everywhere they go, finds the toughest environments in America. Mm-hmm. So I, I completely understand that argument. Mm-hmm. 
All right, what else do we have? Okay, so this was, uh, you know, I didn't really give this much of a thought until it was brought up at the press conference today, but K-State does have an open scholarship spot. They could of who's left in the portal of guys that are eligible midseason, and maybe that's not the whole story for everybody, is if Tang and staff would be interested in trying to find somebody available to fill that spot. This was not a surprise of the answer that Drum Tang gave because it was just basically, you know, if if they could help the team, if they could be truly helpful and helpful right away, we would consider that. But the main focus is the current team. Yeah. And I think that's the right way to look at it. I really do. And that's clearly been the identity of this team. You know what you have left. Quez Glover most likely is not going to play for the rest of the season. At least that's the way I understand mm-hmm. it. That hasn't been guaranteed by the team, but that's the way I look at it. So you have to move forward with your team. You have to, I think, find a way to develop the the Dorian Finisters, the Jarrell Colbert, who you know in limited minutes have looked pretty good recently. Yep. Taj Manning may have peaked against Chicago State, but at least he got that opportunity. Does he play much moving forward? Who knows? But we've seen very little out of the freshman recently. I mean, Buddy Rich might be the most entertaining player on the team. <laughs> right. But he's getting three or four minutes here and there. Mm-hmm. Very little play. His defense isn't very good. Mm-hmm. He needs to get better defensively. Um, Day-Day Ames is struggling to shoot the basketball. And like I said earlier this week, R.J. Jones is on a milk carton. He just isn't showing up in games. He's getting very little playing time. So until those guys start to emerge in actual games where it's meaningful minutes, you have to look towards the Dorian Finisters, the Jarrell Colberts, and potentially the Taj Mannings to provide something in a role, in a role situation. The guys left in the transfer portal, I mean, what's the story with them? Like, why are they, you know what I mean? Like, I don't know. If you want to like take on that extra kind of, I don't want to say baggage, but I'll just say baggage. You know, when someone hasn't been picked up, it's halfway through the season. Hey. I mean, it's not saying everybody has a bad story to them, sure, but there are leftovers because we know with the portal, if you jump in, some do run the risk of not getting mm-hmm. picked up at all. Yep. But you are also in the situation where now. Uh, how quickly are you able to get that piece to fit into what you're trying to do? Right. Where it worked for Naquan Tomlin going to Memphis was uh, that all of that took place around Christmas time. Mm-hmm. So there was a window there for him to become acclimated with what's going on. That window doesn't exist now. Right. That window slammed shut when conference began. Right. And this is where this becomes the toughest stretch of the year because. You, your practice times are exceptionally limited now because you are locked into two games a week, if not three, depending on how TV breaks you down, or three games in eight days, roughly, depending on what the TV setup is. And so finding that time to be able to bring someone in, you hate to say it this way, but off the street. Right. And be able to work them into a rotation and work them into what you're wanting to accomplish, you don't really have much opportunity. Uh, 
No, you don't. And that's what, after the holiday, especially, mm-hmm. a guy off the couch is going <laughs> to, maybe not in basketball shape. So then, you right. know, what I mean? maybe a guy's tape from last year, like, oh, yes, you're bringing a guy who's going to need a month to get into actual playing shape. It's like, why would we bring that on? But it, that'd be really interesting to see if there was somebody in the transfer portal that it's date in shape, is ready to go, and hungry for an opportunity. And if that, he was picked up and helped the team, that'd be rad. That'd be a very cool story. Well, and let's remember, the current roster has been the roster all season. Sure, sure. Other than Quez playing a mm-hmm. little bit in the first game, but he got hurt. Haven't had Naquan Tomlin all season long. Yeah. It's not like we're not used to this group of 11 yeah. scholarship players available playing the entire season. But we've seen the shift of where we saw the freshman playing quite a bit early on. Right. And that has changed, and now Dorian Finister and Jarrell Colbert, as of this recent game, who played five minutes, I thought played a really good five minutes. I thought he played more than that, than just five minutes and 48 seconds. Now they're into the rotation. Um, listen, I think for sustained success, the freshmen have to step up. Mm-hmm. Or else I think the majority, there's no doubt about it, the scoring will have to come from the starting five. And there's no argument about that. The, they will have to score. The problem becomes, again, limited opportunities in practice to show that you're ready to do it. Because I don't know that you're looking at wanting to throw them out there in every game. And I know Tang made the comment the one day about, we're just trying to find the group that's going to help us win. Right. And I, I think that he's at the point where that assessment is, we're not seeing that improvement that we needed to see. I, I will say what has impressed me the most about this year's Casey men's basketball team is even though, yes, they've played these close games, they grind and they find ways to win. How many times have I said that this season so far? They found a way to win. Mm-hmm. They, in clutch time, in, in clutch moments, overtime or whatever it was, they figured it out. Mm-hmm. They had more guts than the other team and they prevailed. This might be just one of those nail-biter type of grinded-out games all season long. Mm-hmm. Moving forward, it's a tough one game, and it's the Big 12, obviously. I mean, those are kind of easy things to say, but close games are just the expectation now, and it's going to be a grind game in and game out. I, you know, And I hope there's more contribution from the bench. I mean, heck, until, what was it? Was it two games ago against UCF? K-State did not have a bench point. Until Dorian Finister or something like that, mm. uh, wow. it just you know, and it's I'm not saying they're playing bad. I mean, no, six no. points from Dorian, you're going to take it, sure, absolutely. And he had three dunks, yeah, against West Virginia. Nobody had three dunks for Dorian Finister all season long. <laughs> I love that he's contributing more. I love that there's now film on him, and teams have to start preparing for Dorian Finister. He's playing very motivated defense. He's done great, he and has. that that is honestly a very good thing. For K-State moving forward to have at least him, you know, he knows his role, he knows what's needed of him, and he's doing it very well. That's like the – that's the kind of thing good programs do is they have guys that buy in like a Dorian Finister who goes, okay, this is the role that the team needs me to fill. I'll do that. I'm not going to complain. I'm going to do the little things in practice to get it done, and you earn playing time. That's how you build a program. And those three freshmen – you got to do it. You you have to you have to go and grind it out, man. But after saying how often this team has grinded out these close games, 
when you move down the schedule and you start playing the KUs, the Oklahomas, the BYUs, the Texas Tech, the Baylors, the Houstons, six points from Tyler Perry is not going to cut it. That is not going to win games. Six shots from the field is not going to do It's not going to happen, man. And I agreed with DY yesterday. Tyler Perry and Arthur Kaluma cannot pass F shots anymore. When they are open, that's what you want. That's what you ask for. That's probably what you're working to do so hard on the offense for with your outside shooting, other than Cam Carter for sure. And Cam has been a blessing. Cam Carter is one of the best players in the Big 12 who will make an argument at the end of the year that he should be first team all Big 12. Mm -hmm. It'll be tough to get there. There's probably eight or nine guys right now that are good enough to be first team all Big 12 and I think will be good enough to be an argument at the end of the season. Cam Carter has been phenomenal. I don't worry about him one bit. But Arthur and Tyler cannot keep passing up shots. I love the aggressive shooting we've seen from Tyler the last two games. We just need to keep our fingers crossed those shots for, start falling more often. Mm-hmm. Let's take a timeout. When we come back, uh, some very interesting news out of high school hoops for the state of Kansas. That's coming up next. Next year for high school hoops in the state of Kansas, you might see an extra piece of equipment around the basketball backboard or above it. Oh, we're miking the baskets. Cameras. That would be pretty dope. Mm-hmm. Cameras would be pretty dope. Mm-hmm. Shout out to uh, high school YouTube channels <laughs> and their live feeds. Their, li- their streams. That was the word I was looking for. Um, no, the Kansas State High School Activities Association Next season is going to do a trial run with shot clocks. So they took it to a vote with the schools. This was a little while back. Classes 6A and 5A were all about it, bringing in shot clocks. Mm -hmm. The rest of the classes below 5 and 4, I say below, just lower number, um, were not in favor of it. But Keisha felt that they had enough response favorably to say, hey, all right, you guys make the choice. It is literally school by school. Next year, if you want to try out a shot clock, go ahead. Go ahead. 35-second shot clock. Um, you know, if it, like in college ball, if there's an offensive rebound, resets to 20. Not the case. It's just going to reset to 35 every time. Um, it will not be used in any postseason play. But if you want a shot clock, great. Try it out next year. The only thing is, if you do have it, you have to have it for every single boys and girls game that you host. You got to be, you have to have dialogue with every school that visits you and say, "Hey, prepare for a shot clock. We're going to have it." So I, I really actually, I love this idea. I love going about it in a trial way. It makes it makes it actually very interesting. You know, game by game, when you're on the road, you never know we're going to run into that shot clock. Um, and I know, you know, I talked to Benji George earlier today. He is the head coach of Manhattan High School basketball. He's been in favor of this for a long time. I reached out for a comment from actual Manhattan High School. Haven't received anything yet. But um, I know Benji George is in favor of it, especially the way he plays. his team plays basketball. 
They're an aggressive team. They like to get out and push. Their zone defense is, um, is aggressive, and they want to get out and run. They want to get shots up. They want as many possessions as they can get. Shot clock is in their favor to get some turnovers, to put some pressure on the opposing offense, and they get the ball back. They look at it. And the thing is, like, I know a lot of people have complained over the years. Like, sometimes you'll see a video go viral that when a team is playing against another that they completely outmatch. That opponent will just take the air out of the ball and just pass it around and try to keep it as low scoring as possible to make it not look as bad. And they're like, oh, we got to have a shot clock for that. You know, I've seen that very little. Very little. If you watch Centennial League basketball, it's like there is a shot clock. There's so many shots going up. It's very enjoyable basketball games. It occurred one time when I was a senior in high school where they backed it out and tried to run the four-corner. It didn't go well. Our center got a hold of the basketball at midcourt and went for a slam very early in the game. <laughs> I kind of put an end to it for a bit, but it was 35-13 final. I mean, you know. Well, Troy, I'll ask you. You may but know no. You may know more about this about than than I do, but I'm sure some ask, you know, what's been the holdup? Well, first of all, the National Federation of State High School Associations did not pass a shot clock rule until last or two years ago. Correct. When they're like, okay, now high schools across the country, this is state by state, but you can now use a shot clock. So that's only been allowed for the last couple of years. But I would say now that it's a state by state thing, and also now for the state of Kansas, it's school by school moving forward, starting with next year for the trial run, it's probably a money thing. And it's probably also a, we need to hire another person to run the shot clock. Uh-huh. It, it's, it's money to buy the shot clock and the materials to be able to run it because it is an add-on to most of the clock management systems. Yep. Uh, and then you're looking at space as well, because you're adding another person to that scores table. And at some of the smaller schools, you know, those tables barely sit three. So for more information on this, I highly suggest go to newsradiokman.com. We have an article up about that right now with some extra info. But we need to take a break. We wrap up the show with Ask Us Anything. After these words. Thirteen fifty KMA and hey gang, uh, what is a food? Today's National Milk Day, and shout out to milk, it's great. Uh, but <laughs> it when That's I body good, yeah. Well, when I stop to think about it, it weirds me out. Um, Question about that: Will you guys do skim milk? No. Yeah. Not a fan of it, but, you know, when in the situation, sure. Now, will you go bougie and go almond milk? I tried almond milk and I hated it. There are health reasons around the household that, yes, that does occur. I hear that, but I... Baby drinks whole milk, so daddy drinks whole milk. Good call (laughs) on that, too. It's really aggressive, I know. Okay, go back to your question. Is there a food that, like, just when you stop and think about it, it kind of weirds you out? A lot of people said cottage cheese today. Yes. You know, that's a really good one. Yeah. Cottage cheese, to me, just does not look that appetizing. Mm -hmm. It's it's like the old commercial that mocks milk, and it's basically chunky milk. Ugh. And that's too much, man. You know what I mean? That ruins two things. Yeah. Cottage yeah. cheese and milk. Done. Well, there's a lot of cheeses to me that don't like blue cheese. Isn't, I hate blue cheese. Isn't blue cheese hate just it. bad cheese? Isn't it what it is? No. Oh, it's not? Oh, okay. No. Oh, my dad loves that stuff. It, I mean, it may be in your household, but that's a personal problem. 
<laughs> I like Parmesan. I've always been confused by eggplant. Yeah, what's the story there, man? What's going well, on? I'm like, why are we mixing up food names to make a food name? It's weird. It gets a little confusing. I do love that scene in Coneheads, though, when she sees the eggplants. And... Ah! We got to go. For everybody, go Cats. Bye.